Hello, this is Tommy Peeler, and we are listening, you are listening to Carefully Examining the Text. Today in our podcast, we want to cover Psalm 3. Psalm 3 says a psalm of David when he fled from Absalom, his son. This is the text from the New American Standard Bible. O Lord, how my adversaries have increased. Many are rising up against me. Many are saying of my soul, there is no deliverance for him in God. Selah. But you, O Lord, art a shield about me, my glory, and the one who lifts up my head. I was crying to the Lord with my voice, and he answered from his holy mountain, Selah. I lay down and slept. I awoke, for the Lord sustains me. I will not be afraid of ten thousands of people who have set themselves round about me. Arise, O Lord, save me, O my God, for you have smitten all my enemies on the cheek. You have shattered the teeth of the wicked. Salvation belongs to the Lord. Your blessing be upon your people. Salah. Psalm 3 is the first psalm connected with David in the heading. 73 of the 150 psalms bear David's name. Now, Psalm 2 is connected with David in the New Testament, in Acts 4, 25 and 26. But Psalm 3 is the first that is connected with David in the Hebrew text of the Old Testament. And Psalm 3 is the first of the psalms that gives a heading associating the psalm with an event in David's life. Thirteen or fourteen of the psalms do this. They have some heading that associates the title with an event in the life of David. The most famous is Psalm 51. In the heading, David's sin with Bathsheba is mentioned in connection with that psalm of confession. Now, how are we to view these titles of the psalms? These psalms which link these events or these words with events in the life of David, how are we to view them? Many commentators and writers on the psalm disregard them. As one writer said, they are of no historical value. But I am not so quick to dismiss them. And let me explain to you why. Psalm 18 is a lengthy psalm celebrating David's victories. The words of Psalm 18 are also recorded in 2 Samuel chapter 22. It's interesting if you look at the heading of Psalm 18. The heading of Psalm 18 appears in the text of 2 Samuel 22 and verse 1. What that tells me is there may be historical value to these headings. Maybe they shouldn't be so quickly discarded. Psalm 3 celebrates David's victory from the hands of Absalom. But notice in the text, 
in Psalm 3, verse 1, O Lord, how my adversaries have increased. Many are rising up against me. Psalm 1 described the blessed man as like a tree planted beside the waters. Its leaf does not wither, and whatever he does prospers. Psalm 2 shows the nations which oppose God will be shattered. And so it may surprise us that Psalm 3 opens by telling us that the the enemies of the psalmist have increased and they are many. But the blessed life does not guarantee a lack of opposition. In this particular case, many are rising against him. Many are saying of his soul, there is no deliverance for him in God. And by the way, that word many, very important in Psalm 3 and verses 1 and 2. Many is used twice in the New American Standard, and also you have the verb have increased. That verb have increased is from the same root word as the word many. So the point is, there are three times in the first two verses that this word is used, and we are getting the picture of a growing opposition, growing hostility to David. In 2 Samuel chapter 15, this is exactly what we see. David is told that the conspiracy with Absalom is growing and is increasing, and he commands all of his men to leave the city of Jerusalem. O Lord, how my adversaries have increased. Many are rising against me, and many are saying of my soul, there is no deliverance for him in God. Do you remember in 2 Samuel 16, verses 7 and 8, how Shimei cursed David and threw rocks at him and dirt at him and said, Get out, you man of bloodshed. God is taking the kingdom away from you and giving it back to the house of Saul. Many were saying of David's soul, There is no deliverance for him in God. Psalm 3 is also the first psalm that uses the word Selah. You notice that it's used after verse 2, after verse 4, and after verse 8. This word is found 71 times in the psalms and only three times outside of the psalms. All of those three times outside of the psalms are in Habakkuk chapter 3. No one knows exactly what it indicates. It may have been some kind of musical notation. But as verses 1 and 2 pictures this growing tide of opposition to David, it seems as if the whole world is against him. But in verse 3, But you, O Lord, are a shield about me. You is emphatic in Hebrew in Psalm 3 and verse 3. Generally, the subject of the verb is inherent in the verb in Hebrew. If the personal pronoun is mentioned, it is being emphasized in a particularly strong way. And it is mentioned in Psalm 3, verse 3. But you, O Lord 
are to shield about me. While the opposition is growing stronger and stronger, David finds his security in God. You, O Lord, are to shield about me. Abraham had one military encounter in Genesis 14. He was victorious over four Mesopotamian kings. The Lord appeared to him in Genesis 15 in verse 1 and says, I am your shield. David says, you art a shield about me. You are my glory and you are the one who lifts up my head. Sometimes in military defeat, one did not lift up their head. We see that in Judges 8, in verse 28, in Zechariah 1, in verse 21. And one who was victorious in battle lifted up their head, Psalm 110, and verse 7. So while the rising tide of opposition to David is growing, David finds security in God. The Lord is his shield. The Lord is his glory. And the Lord is the one who lifts up his head. And he says in verse 4, I was crying to the Lord with my voice, and he answered me from his holy mountain, Salah. There are connections between the Psalms. Remember in Psalm 2-6, as the Lord installed his king upon Zion, his holy mountain, 2-6, and now God hears David's prayer from his holy mountain. He cried to the Lord, and the Lord heard. In verse 5, I lay down and slept. I awoke, for the Lord sustains me. I will not be afraid of ten thousands of peoples who have made themselves, who have set themselves round about me. This may have been a morning prayer. After he was kept safely through a frightening night, he wakes up and states the words of verse 5. I lay down and slept. I awoke, for the Lord sustains me. Every morning we arise healthy and well. We could repeat those words. I lay down and slept. I awoke, for the Lord sustains me. And he said, I will not be afraid of ten thousands. Now, while your English text doesn't bear it out, do you know the word ten thousands in verse 6 is the same root word that we mentioned that was used three times in verses 1 and 2? My enemies have increased. Many are rising against me. Many are saying of my soul. The root word translated many twice in verses 1 and 2 and have increased once is used here again in verse 6. I will not be afraid of the many. I will not be afraid of the ten thousands because the Lord is with me. When this rising tide of opposition opposes David and sets themselves against him, his only security is in God. But that is enough. 
If God be for us, who can be against us? Romans 8 and verse 21. I will not be afraid of ten thousands of peoples who have set themselves against me. In verse 7, arise, O Lord. The word arise is an imperative and an emphatic imperative. There are only about 13 of these in the Old Testament, and 10 of those are in the book of Psalms. As the psalmist in the midst of his distress cries out to God as urgently as he can and begs God, Arise, arise, O Lord, save me, O my God. By the way, the word arise in verse 7 is the same word that's translated rising up in verse 1. It's the same Hebrew root word. It's interesting that in verse 1, it is his enemies who are rising up against him. How is he going to meet that crisis? He is going to meet that crisis by the Lord arising on his behalf. The Lord is his shield, his glory, and the one who lifts up his head. Arise, O Lord, save me, O my God, for you have smitten all my enemies on the cheek. You have shattered the teeth of the wicked. Salvation belongs to the Lord. Your blessing be upon your people. Salah. The key idea in Psalm 3 is that salvation belongs to the Lord. Now again, the word salvation is used three times in this psalm. It's the same word used in verse 2 when his enemies were saying there is no deliverance for him in God. The enemies were saying God's not going to deliver you. But in verse 7, he pleads to God, save me, same word. And in verse 8, salvation belongs to God. While the enemies deny that God will save him, he believes he will. The psalmist David believes he will. He calls on God to save him. Salvation belongs to the Lord. What lessons do we draw from Psalm 3? When our enemies are many and our enemies are stronger than we are, where do we look for security? Where do we look for strength? We look to the Lord who is our shield, who is our deliverer, who is the one who lifts up our head who is our glory, the one who can sustain us in spite of the tens of thousands who oppose us, the one who can save us in the midst of enemies fighting diligently against us. Our security is from God. But as we go through these psalms, I also want you to think of how these psalms were fulfilled in Jesus. You see in verses 1 and 2 the rising tide of opposition that Jesus faced 
the rising tide of opposition, I should say, that David faced. But it foreshadows the rising tide of opposition that Jesus would face. When Jesus entered the city of Jerusalem in the triumphal entry in John 12, the Pharisees said, Do you see how you are accomplishing nothing? For all the world has gone after him. And yet, less than a week later, the crowds have turned against him and are demanding the release of Barabbas, and they are shouting of Jesus, Crucify him! Crucify him! When Pilate saw that he was accomplishing nothing but that a riot might be started, he washed his hands and said, I am free from the blood of this man. And they said, Let his blood be upon us and our children. In Matthew 27, verses 20 through 26, Pilate saw their voices or heard their voices, and their voices prevailed, and he handed Jesus over to be crucified in Luke 23, verses 23 through 25. Just as David experienced a rising tide of opposition, so Jesus experienced the same And just as it was said of David in verse 2 of Psalm 3, there's no deliverance for him in God. The same was said of Jesus. As Jesus was hanging upon the cross, they shouted, He saved others, let him save himself. He said that he's the Son of God, let God deliver him if he takes pleasure in him. You read those words in Matthew 27, verses 42 and 43. Jesus faced a crowd that turned against him. Jesus had others say of him, there's no deliverance for him in God. But Jesus cried to God, and God heard him. In Hebrews 5, 7, he offered strong crying and tears to the one who was able to save him. These statements about the innocent sufferer or the righteous sufferer in the book of Psalms find their ultimate fulfillment in the ultimate righteous sufferer, Jesus Christ. But also notice verse 7. As David asked that the Lord smite his enemies on the cheek, Jesus experienced that kind of treatment in his trial in Matthew 26, verses 26, Matthew 26, verses 67 and 68, Mark 14, verse 65. Jesus was smitten on the cheek. He experienced the same kind of treatment that the psalmist prays upon his enemies. You see, Jesus not only identifies with the innocent sufferer of the book of Psalms, but Jesus takes the punishment of the guilty wrongdoers of the book of Psalms. He is smitten on the cheek. He truly was wounded for our transgressions and bruised for our iniquities. Jesus identifies with the righteous sufferer. Thank you for listening as we recover as we studied Psalm 3. May the Lord bless you.